brief comment before this episode of Inspired by Yarra gets underway. And that is to note that this conversation was recorded well before COVID-19 was impacting our community, our nation, (laughs) and indeed, our world. But we still believe that the information shared in this conversation is relevant and helpful. And so we wanted to bring it to you, despite the current challenges that we're all experiencing. In fact, given the call for physical distancing that we're hearing and adhering to right now, I believe that it emphasises all the more the need for social connection. And so with that in mind, I encourage you to consider sharing this episode and others from our growing library of conversations with Yarra Old Grammarians here at Inspired by Yarra. Take care, look after one another, enjoy this conversation, and now on with the show. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast created to enhance, connect, and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever and however you might be tuning in and listening to us today, I want to say welcome. My name is Paul Joy and it is my privilege to sit down with Yarra Old Grammarians, Yogs, to unpack a little of what life was like back in the day when they were at school. And then of course to explore a little of the twists and the turns and the adventures that life has come in their pathway, in their journey since leaving Yarra. This is one way that you can stay in touch and connected with the Yarra Valley Grammar community and we would love you to keep doing that, whether it be through social media, whether it's uh, through the website or of course listening to and sharing the Inspired by Yarra podcast. Today I'm going to share with you a conversation that I had recently with Dwight Hodge from the class of 1994. What a creative young man he was and he is. And as we go through this conversation, we're going to unpack ideas around creativity and art and business and mentoring and leadership. I love the way Dwight keeps coming up with new and creative ways to explore his own creativity. And there might be a few suggestions and tips that you might be able to pick up along the way. It would help us if you feel that this is a useful, helpful conversation that might inspire or encourage others, that you would share it with somebody who you know would benefit from it. But without any further ado, here's my conversation with Dwight Hodge from the class of 1994. Dwight, welcome back. Thanks you uh, for having me. Yes. Thanks for coming in. Now, admittedly, it's fairly quiet around the school at the moment. Mm. Um, when you first came to Yarra, was it a memory of it was a quiet, serene, calm place? Was there a bit more action going on? No, there was definitely there was definitely more action than today. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a, a very uh, busy and hustle bustle sort of place. I'd come. I started in Yarra um, in year eight. Okay. So we'd gone to another school in Year 7, which was a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a busy, happening place compared Quite to... daunting to come in um, 
you know, a lot of people come at year seven and then mm. a lot of those friendships are formed and then you come in at year eight. Yeah. It's a bigger environment than what you had been familiar with. Yes. Uh, where did you find, who were the people that you ran with? Were you out on the sports field? Were you in the library? Did you grab a computer and connect that way? How, how, who were the people? Who were the mob you yeah. ran with? I was lucky that um, I'd gone to primary school with a few guys that were here yeah. um, in year seven uh-huh. and another mate that started, I think, in grade five, but unfortunately wasn't in their sort of their class. Chute, chute group. Ch- yeah, yes. chute group. Um, and so definitely wasn't a library going kid. Um, back then, geez, ni- 1990, I don't know if there was too many computers to grab onto. <laughs> Maybe not. No, that's true. Um, I didn't mind sport, but I don't think I was too great at it. So okay. I was more in the um, – I enjoyed the fine arts. Um, okay, good. So I think I just – and the school I went to actually shut down. So it wasn't really a choice to, um, I guess, move schools. So it was – I guess that made it more daunting from that yes. point as well, that it was a choice that wasn't mine or – or the families. Mm. Um, so there were a few kids that came from that school. And right. so there was just familiar faces, I guess, that sort of started from there. And that helps the transition, doesn't it? It did, but I remember first term wasn't wasn't good. Okay. Um, you didn't I, get I beat loved, up, did you? No, no, just, just didn't know people. Like you said, everyone's kind of got their groups. Yeah. Um, lunch and recess was fine because okay. I had my other mates that I knew. Yeah. But I think just having that um, thrust upon you, without, um, I guess, having that choice was kind of a bit tough. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I actually nowadays have the privilege of teaching as part of the art department mm. and it's a real thrill of mine. It's a, a fairly recent uh, move for me, which, which I, I'm, I'm really blessed with. I love the team and I love the opportunity. You talked about fine art. Mm. Now, what I know of year eight it's probably not that fine. Oh no, there, no, <laughs> no, it wouldn't have been fine. I there. That's probably my terminology now. But um, and I don't know that I like hung out there much because it was only probably I don't know one lesson a yeah maybe a week. one or two a week. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, as I progressed through the years, that's definitely where I. And it is one of those um, areas of. Uh, expertise and growth and development that actually takes a lot of time. Mm. You end up spending a lot of time in the art department, don't you? You know, yeah. lunch times because those folios that you're creating and producing, they take time. Mm. Um, is there a piece in particular that you remember that you invested a lot of you into that you're very proud of, that you might even still oh. have? Um, there's a few. Um, I remember doing a, um, a painting it must have been in year 12 um, that I probably did about four or five different times because as I was doing it, like you're saying, like putting in the effort, I was actually learning the skill of painting. Yes, you're getting better as you go. And it was um, a combination of about five or six um, faces and as I would do the next one, I'd get better and then the first one would look a bit average. So I kept having to go back and repaint it. So that sort of stands out. as one piece, but in saying that, I um, I went on to study sculpture and really probably never painted again. Right. But just that process of learning and and um, learning as I went, but also then realizing that hang on, I can go back and fix other areas of this one painting. And some art and creative processes does allow you to do that to go back mm. and and rework it. For example, oil painting. Yeah. But watercolor painting doesn't 
kind of give you that flexibility and permission, well, no. does it? No. No. Um, sculpture, on the other hand, mm. if you're um, when you're sculpting, are you adding things to something or are you stripping away and carving out? Ah, uh, yes. Good question. So I um, I found it really easy to strip away. So carving right. and that type of thing, that just that's how my head worked. So can I just pull you up on that? Yeah. That's fairly unforgiving because yes. once you've carved away, you can't stick it back. No, well, no, not easily. Not easily. <laughs> so but, so what, are, what are some of the things? Are you sculpting um, like a, a bust as such in terms of a, a known yeah, a figure? Yeah, I remember a- um, doing a couple. I only really found sculpture probably in year 12 and then decided um, that's what I wanted to study yeah. after finishing. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd done a, um, yeah, a sort of bust. Um, with some limestone that the then Lindy Spreadbro, the art teacher, found under the art department. <laughs> um, and um, and I did a, actually another one that was sort of a bit more abstract but that was a bust of some life drawing models that we'd done. Yes. Um, so, yeah, stone I found easy um, right. to like, yeah, as I said, that's sort of I think how my head worked. And what are the tools you're using to carve away? Oh, I just, what, yeah, probably not the right ones, but with that, <laughs> whatever I could find. So like chisels and hammers, yeah. and, but they were just like wood chisels and yeah, stuff and like that. Yeah, and you're just chipping away, chipping away. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and again, a bit like the um, painting that I was talking about, I guess just trialling different ways of doing it. Yeah. Just giving yeah. it a go and seeing what worked and what didn't. And actually with one of those, I did break it and, um, yeah, Dad and I figured out how to glue it back together. <laughs> wow. Thanks, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's one of those things, like I said, it's a lot of time. I'd be up until all hours of the morning. Yes. Normally a bit of a procrastinator. So, you know, a, a task cat or whatever you call them now would be due. Yeah. And I'd be up until like two in the morning. you got to hook into it. In the garage at home, like, you know, chiseling away and stuff. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. Are you listening to music while you're doing that? What's the music of your era oh, back yes. in those days? Um, yeah, look, I think I did a bit. Um, but with other schoolwork, not like, yeah, I'd, I'd struggle with background music yes. and that type of thing. I think if I was trying to write an English essay or something, I'd end up writing the lyrics to the song that I was listening to <laughs> instead of <laughs> concentrating on the topic that I was meant to be writing about. For sure. Mm. Now, you mentioned that. After school, you went and and studied fine arts, particularly yeah. sculpture. So, is that a, a a university? Is it a where are you doing? Yeah. That? So, um, I was lucky enough to actually look. I really put all my eggs in one basket. Um, I spent most of year eleven and twelve living in the art department. Mm-hmm. Um, I did um, maths in year eleven. I enjoyed maths, but I did it because I had to. Yeah. Year twelve, my subjects were um, English because had to. I had to. Yeah. And otherwise you wouldn't have? No, okay. no, which yep. is interesting because now I write a fair bit, which is very the complete opposite. Shout to out to like. your English teachers. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, we can go with that. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I think um, so year 12 I did English, photography, um, studio arts, graphics and Technical design and development. Wow, you really I, did. I did go all in. Yeah, and then um, I think at the start of that, I thought I would end up maybe in industrial design or something. But into year twelve, then realised that no, I wanted to be more fine arts. Hmm. And I think I was really lucky that mum and dad were happy for me to do whatever. So I was they happy supported doing. your decisions. Yeah, that's great. So I went to um, 
and then really put all my eggs in one basket and applied for ceramics, which I'd done a little bit with uh, Neil Loveless, the ceramics teacher, um, and sculpture. But I think I really had two or three sculptures that I'd done and probably about four or five ceramic pieces and went with my folio to uh, seven or eight different art schools. Yeah. Um, Regional like Gippsland, Ballarat, Bendigo, um, and then all the unis and stuff. And you got into... I got in. I ended up getting into um, Victorian College of the Arts mm-hmm. um, to major in sculpture. Awesome. Um, and I think, luckily, I pretty ha- pretty much had my choice. Right. I got into nearly everything. Um, is that based on a score or is it based on no? Your like, folio? Luckily for me, it was a folio. <laughs> when my uh, TER score came out in the mail, because it wasn't online back then. Right. Um, I questioned whether it was a total score or maybe just for one oh, subject. Yeah. So it was quite it was quite low. <laughs> it was in the mid thirties. Okay. But um, luckily, everything that I wanted to do was interview based and yes. folio based. Yeah. So um, to get into VCA, obviously, yeah, all uh, interview and folio. I didn't get in the first round, but second round I got in. Mm. So up until then, I <clears throat> I'd. Um, Decided I was going to go to Ballarat, I think. Mm-hmm. I really liked the art department there. But, um, yeah, once I got into VCA, I'm like, no, that's that was my number one choice. And you're in VCA. So is that a two-year, three-year, five-year? Three years. Three years. And yep. you come out of that and are you, you're going to – you're planning to make a career in fine arts? Yeah. Or, yeah, I was. And what could that have been? It's pretty much just being an artist. Okay. Um, really, um, those three years, there was one sort of – well, for me, pretend lesson a week in art history. I okay. really wasn't too focused on that. Okay. No. Um, and I don't think the lecturers were too fussed either. They were happy to, you know. Move quickly through yeah, that. Yeah, move quickly through it. Um, did a minor subject in first year. Um, I did photography. Um, being very creative in an art school, though, I don't know that I really took too many photos. I started mucking around with photocopiers and stuff and making art out of okay. the photocopier. Um, I oh. guess that's... That's art, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and literally, the rest of the time is just studio time. First year, they took us around all the workshops, showed yeah. us how to, you know, how to carve, how to use the metal shop, how to, you know, weld, all these different skills. But then, besides that, it was just literally everyone had their own studio space, and you made art. And every six months, you had to present what you'd done uh-huh. and have a like exhibition. So it was really like you're saying with the art department here at school. It's just the time you put in. Yeah. And it was just really that freedom to just explore and just see where it went. Mm. Yeah. And is your approach to that, is it about making lots and lots of ceramic bowls, let's say, mm-hmm. or is it putting all of your time into making the one perfect one? Oh, no, I think um, a bit of like experimenting and, and sort of playing with it. I also think it depends on the medium that you're working with. So like I said, I found it quite easy to carve. Mm. So when I was at uni, I kind of thought, well, I'm going to do the opposite. Don't ask me why. But <laughs> So I ended up doing a lot of um, welding and stuff and make, and, and um, creating things out of like scrap metal and wow. whatever it was. But sort of – so then combining things to make art instead of starting off with a big block of rock. Yes, and or, or pulling wood. it off. Yeah. You're now sticking things together. Yes, yep. So um, because I found that more challenging and um, 
So if it was like steel, then you can make some little things and play with it. But then I would, um, I ended up liking things that were quite large as well. So and um, really difficult to manage, like move and yeah, yeah. Like how do you display it and how do you build it and your yes. garage is not big enough and the studio doesn't mm. and how do you transport it and yeah, one really of them I had in an exhibition in um, here, you? Bendigo, and so yeah, we needed to hire a like a tandem trailer. To get it there. To get it there. And a block and tackle and a, like, yeah, to get it there and get it off the trailer and yeah. get it back again. So, wow. yeah, they were quite, some of them were quite big. And it's interesting because you, you said that you went into the um, sculpture in terms of construction, sti- sticking mm-hmm. things together because it was challenging. Yeah. And creating big things, mm. they're challenging. Yeah. <laughs> and being able to display them and transport them and so forth. So are you somebody who looks for challenge? Are you actively seeking a challenge in life? Oh, I've never thought of it like that, but I, I think um, I like to challenge myself mm. um, and try new things. Um, so, yeah, in a way, yeah. Which for some people in some roles, that idea of always looking for something new mm can actually be a little unsettling. Mm. So, you, you know, you, you might start a career or you might start a project and, and get partway through it and then already be looking for the next thing. After you've finished VCA, mm. you are going to be an artist. Yeah. Is that what happens? No, I tra- like so when I was in uh, probably final year, I decided I was going to go travelling. Oh, guess what? We want to change. School. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> change something else. Yep. Yeah. So travelled around Australia uh-huh. for about eight or nine months. Yep. Um, so everything was sort of focused on that. And then, and are you creating as you go, or are you just there nah, for the not experience? Much. No, right. I took a few, like I took a sketchbook and stuff, but I didn't do much. Mm-hmm. Probably got halfway around before I pulled it Opened out. Opened it, yeah. So just like, just living really, mm, yep, and experiencing things. It's a good way so, to be. Yeah. So I did that with a mate from school, so Ross Ross Davies. Okay. Who is now here again? He's one of so, ours again. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I did that. Um, came back and thought I needed to have a job that would support the art. Yes. So I started a um, so I started a homewares business and I designed and manufactured homewares. Okay. So that was fun until. So is that homewares that you'd have in your kitchen or homewares that you'd sit on or homewares? Oh that no, you'd... more um, um, oh like photo frames and CD racks. And, okay. Yes. Um, candle holders and yeah, useful ornamental things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I guess after probably 12, 18 months, that that wasn't as successful as I hoped. And I was looking, then I thought I need a job to subsidise the job that was meant to subsidise the art. <laughs> so um, that's when I got into um, I got into hairdressing. Right. Yeah. So my family's been involved for years in hairdressing and run hairdressing salons. Okay. So I got to a point, I was 23 and I, like, I needed a real job. So do you go and learn how to do that or do you just go and watch what happens in your family salon? No, I learned. So um, I I started doing a full-time course. So hairdressing, you can do a full-time course or you can do an apprenticeship. So I went and did a couple of months of the full-time course and then started working mm-hmm. in the salon and then finished it off as an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I dare say you've got to cut a lot of hair to pay the bills. Yeah. For all this study that you've done and those yeah. kind of side <laughs> careers that you've got going and you're trying to, you know. So do you have some success as a hairdresser? Yeah. So um, I worked in the family business for, um, well, my apprenticeship was four years back then. Yeah. It's only three now, but okay. I had to do four. You did the hard yards. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, so you worked with them, then uh, managed the salon 
Um, and then, um, you know, with their, I guess, help and support, opened my own. Ah, okay. Um, right. So um, did that for, so we had a salon actually in, um, in Eastland so that for about 11, 12 years. Right. But whilst doing that, then also realised that what I was doing was kind of like what they were doing. And I sort of replicated the same thing. Like they sort of gave me the freedom, said, do, do what you want to do, like make it your own. But what I realised was I was kind of doing the same. So I ended up running my own but also assisting them in theirs, whether that was in training new team members or yes. um, helping like the managers in the other salons and that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, ended up um, – I probably worked on the floor as a hairdresser for maybe – um, six or seven years full-time and then another couple of years part-time yes. while I was then doing more management and training and that type of thing. Right. Yeah. Is this too much of a, a stretch to go from sculpting mm. to hairdressing? Is is Do you see hair as a form of sculpture? I do. I do in the sense that um, it comes back to that like you've – I shouldn't say a block of wood, like it's a head of hair. <laughs> but you're but cutting it's the removing. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So um, I would find that quite easy right. to do and um, it sounds funny, like, but for people that have curly hair, it's really hard to find a hairdresser that can cut curly hair well, whereas I used to find that quite easy because I'd studied sculpture for three years and that's, like I said, that's how my head worked. Wow. Creating shapes and, and that type of thing. So, it, no, it's like very – it is. It is like sculpture. So skills that you you learnt when you were studying fine art, yeah, helped when you were sculpturing people's hair. Yes, yeah. Wow. Oh, I'd say so. But I think as well, it's funny. Like it's such an artistic um, industry to get involved in. Wow. But I felt I thought of it more from the even though I was in it doing it. I think I thought of it more of as a business than okay. like an artistic outlet. Yep. Like it was definitely an artistic outlet. But um, I was also then learning. I guess the how to run a business, yes, yes, and and that type of thing as well, and how to lead people and 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 all all of that that comes with the business. So that maths that you didn't do, yeah, in uh, VCE, yeah, maybe you should have. Well, I, look, I think um, I, I'm I'm not bad at maths. I just would rather be in the art department, of course. So I remember as a kid in primary school, I loved drawing. I don't know that I was too good at it back then, but I loved drawing and stuff, and I liked maths. Right. So, and I remember saying to my mum or dad, "What can you do that you can draw and and you're good at maths?" And they said, "Oh, an architect." So I remember for years as a mm. little kid, I wanted to be an architect because mm. I just wanted to draw. Yeah. So the um, it's funny because now I think a lot of people that meet me probably think I'm quite analytical, right, and business focused, and they're quite surprised when they realise I've actually come from a completely artistic yes background. And um, now I probably appear to be the opposite end of that yes, scale. Yes, because they don't necessarily go together. No. Well, a lot of people don't think so, but I think definitely that creativity has helped. I think there's a difference between creativity and art and artistry. Yes, because I would agree we're all creative. Yes, definitely. We may not all be able to draw a, a, a person or a figure or a house yeah. or a tree or but we've all got creativity. We just express it in different ways. Yeah. And our accounts department or our business studies department, they need to bring creativity into their work too. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So you're you've excelled in business. Yeah. 
and now are helping other people to do the same. Yeah, so um, I've got two salons that I still run. Oh, right. Um, I've got a partner in one. Little shout out. Where are they? What? Are, how do we Yeah, book? so um, Ringwood North Shops, uh-huh. Agent Hugh next to um, the IGA. Okay. We've been there a couple of years. And then in um, Heathmont on Canterbury Road, Drivers Collective. And if I went in there yeah. now, <laughs> this was going to, that was a silly question I was about to ask. Um, you don't have much hair, Paul. I don't have much hair. <laughs> and we can tell that because we're sitting here yep. opposite each other. But if, if, if I did and I wanted a haircut and I came to one of those salons, yep. would you be cutting my hair? No. Right. So you're not on the I, floor. Um, I took six weeks off to write a training program for new recruits that were coming into the salons. Okay, so a new recruit into the hairdressing business. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and that six weeks was um, about 10 years ago. I just never went back. <laughs> so, <laughs> Right. Yeah, so, so. so that that idea of training others yeah. is part of what you do now or at least did then? Yeah, yeah. I do a little bit of it now but a lot less. So right. now um, – so I've got the two salons and also like a leadership coaching business. Okay. So I kind of see a lot more of what I do in the salons is more the coaching yes. of the teams and the individual team members. Um, and um, I, like I do get in and do a little bit of training with them yeah. if they need it, but there's probably other, other team members that are more that. qualified to do that now. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so <laughs> in fact, you could look at your life as being quite a creative process. You, you keep mm. iterating and reiterating on different versions and different forms of who you are and how you're going to make your way in the world. Yes. It's fascinating. Yeah. But I think um, in hindsight, it's all still related to the same um, purpose. So there's a thread that goes through it all. Yeah. So what's your purpose? I figured out a while ago, It was I was thinking about it from the business perspective of running the salons and it took a while, but what I kind of got it down to was to make our world a happier place, I feel is my purpose. So- when I was working on the floor as a hairdresser dealing with clients, I didn't realise that then, but that's what I was doing for them. So if they um, if they left the salon looking good and feeling like they, they're actually feeling good, mm. it's more important that they felt good about themselves than just look good. Yeah. And the impact that that then had on them if they felt better about themselves when they went back out into the world mm. um, was the same then if I was then running a salon and I could have that impact on the team, and then they had that on their clients, then it just amplified that, mm. I guess, um, the reach that that purpose had. Um, and then what I'm doing now, then if I'm working with other businesses and so forth, then it's having impact on them, which is then impacting on their team, which then impacts the wider world. So I think that theme kind of follows through everything that I've done. Not that I realised it when I first started sure, out, sure. but I think that's definitely the thing that keeps me interested Mm. And that idea of um, always wanting to learn and try new things, then I guess it just leads you in different directions. Many people try and define their purpose. Yeah. Which I think is is a an almost impossible task. Yeah. What you have shown us an example of is that you actually discover your purpose mm. by – I guess life leaves clues. And mm. so as you look back on your life, you've discovered yep. that actually your purpose has been there all along. And whether you were able to write it down when you're a 19, 20, 25-year-old, mm. probably not. Yeah. But actually in hindsight, you look back and you go, actually, 
I wanted to make a difference in these people's lives. Mm. And now, as you say, you've been able to find ways to to make that, you know, amplified to more and more people. Yes. It's yep. a marvellous and, and beautiful life purpose. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> so keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. a brilliant thing. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, nowadays you do some coaching and mm. business coaching but also I dare say life coaching. You know, you're, you're able to step back and, and you know, mm. join the dots and – so how do you uh, help other people to discover their purpose? Is that something that's important in business? Is it something important in life? Is that a something that we should be working towards? Oh, yeah. Look, I think it is in, I think it is important in business and in life. And I sort of come at it from the business perspective. I guess I know other coaches that are maybe more like, say, a life coach or a personal coach. And I think a lot of the um, tools and processes and stuff that, they use would be the same as what I use, but I just have a, I guess, a business focus on it. Mm. Um, and I sort of explain that I'm a leadership coach. So I like working with the business owners or the team leaders um, and giving them new perspectives and understandings, which then will impact on their business. I guess a personal or a life coach may do the same thing, but it's just impacting on their life in general. Mm. But I think it has the same impact. It's just the different angles you come at it from. Absolutely. Um, so I definitely think it's important to, well, even if you don't figure out what it is, to try and discover what it is for you. Mm. Um, because if you've, I feel if you've got a purpose, then there's something more that you're working towards. Like if you, um, um, it's like that old sort of analogy about the, you know, the guy that's, um, someone comes up and says, what are you doing? He goes, I'm a bricklayer. And then someone else says to the next guy, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building a wall. And then the third guy's like, I'm building a cathedral. Like that, the day-to-day grind of just laying bricks, mm. you know, I guess could get quite um, mundane and repetitive. Um, building a wall, well, that's like a little bit better, but building a cathedral, then that's a huge purpose. So yeah. um, I think in in business or in life, if you can figure out what that is, then it, it kind of, I was going to say gives you purpose, but that's kind of. <laughs> but all it gets the name. you up in the morning, doesn't it? It does. Up yeah. and about, and and saying, "Oh, there's something I'm looking forward to today, mm. and I'm going to take the next step in building this cathedral." Yes, it's a beautiful yep. analogy. I, I like that a lot. Mm. Um, I wonder whether, with all of those experiences and mm. and the ups and the downs, and and even if we bring it back to art as well, yeah, and you know, you did some sculpture with some stone, and you busted it, yeah. I want to talk about success and failure mm. because as an artist and in business yep. and in life, mm. it sounds like you've had some wins yeah. and some some losses as well. You know, there's times yeah. when things go well and times when they don't. So I wonder whether you, you know, it's great to hear about and to talk about success mm. and from time to time we stumble upon it and from time to time we go, actually, this is going okay. Yeah. But probably if, if we're honest, mm. most of us experience failure more than success. Yeah. Have you experienced failure and what does that look like? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think everyone does. I don't I don't think about it too much. Um and I think it's um it's the meaning you put on things. Yeah. So this is only something that I've really kind of I guess delved into a bit more recently. But something that I really love is the idea that um Failure is really just feedback. Yes. So it, you're just getting more feedback. And all feedback is, is I guess, getting more data and information. 
And if you've got more data and more information, you can make better choices. Hmm. So the more information and data you have, that's a good thing. So then in a way, failure is good. Yep, absolutely. So it's just sort of put, changing the meaning around it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, yeah, definitely, so yeah, if you say failure, I don't think of certain things as failure. Mm. Um, they might be just learning experiences. Speed bumps, little yeah. potholes you've got to yeah. negotiate and find a different way. Yeah. yeah. And things that sometimes you think, well, if I get through this, then it'll just be a good story. Okay. <laughs> to tell maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't see it as failure and I don't see myself – I think sometimes people go through things and um, – I, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think sometimes people see themselves as victims of situations and stuff like that and I'm, I try not to be that. I don't have regrets no matter what I do or stuff up. I yeah. try not to have regrets in life. Yeah. Um, eight, nearly eight years ago, I had a kidney transplant. So okay. I was out of action for three months. Right. So um, – That's a setback. Yeah. Big one. Yeah, yeah. Kidney transplant. Yep. Thank you, Dad. Dad. Yeah. Dad's Dad given up his. his. Yeah. Wow. So we were like running. You were in business together. So yeah. running at the time, I think we had seven hairdressing salons, and then so we were both out for. Oh, well, I was out for three months. He was out for about two, two okay. and a half. Right. So I think that was um, great to have the team that we worked with. That kind of kept everything running, yeah. But also knowing that the structures and the systems and procedures and stuff that we had could mm. um, survive without us, mm. yeah. Which is both satisfying and humbling. Yes, actually, it doesn't need me. Yes, yeah. Which is a good thing. It is. I think. Um, yeah. Look, the first thing that popped to mind then was like ego. Like some people need to know that they need to be around. Yeah. Whereas, um, you yeah, know, it's it's humbling. Like and. And satisfying knowing that you've created something that actually you talk about that kind of stuff in business, but when push comes to shove that yeah. it all didn't fall apart mm. <laughs> in those three months was a was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it gives you some credibility to talk about the, yeah. the systems and structures because yes. you've done it. Yeah. And it's been tested. Yes. yes. Like really tested. Really tested, yeah. Um, fit and healthy today? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. That's marvelous. Yeah, very good. Yeah. That is really good. Um, I've got, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of different things I'd love to keep exploring mm. with you. But I just want to do a, a quick, um, almost a, a rapid-fire set of questions. Yeah. It's going to test you a little bit. Mm. Um, it's it's mostly based here at Yarra. Yep. And, you know, one word, short sentence answers. Mm-hmm. What house were you in? Hughes. Is, it, is there a Hughes house? Yeah, there yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and were Hughes any good in your day? Um, eh, no, I think the middle of the road, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad place to be. What would we find or what would you discover in your lunch generally when you came to school? Um, I'd say uh, year 12 was whatever came out of the tuck shop. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had a lot of lunch orders. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. And do you remember, like, what was the go-to? Was it a Big M and a a hot dog or was it a salad sandwich and a... Oh, no, it would be like, yeah, a Big M and a pie or something. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, If you had the choice, would you prefer to be at swimming sports or house athletics? Oh, no, swimming. Yeah, I wasn't much of a runner um, but loved swimming. So, yes, no, definitely swimming. So, yeah, actually my dad and I have, um, when I was 14, we did the pewter pub down at Lawn together. Oh, good. And have done it ever since. So last week, was it, was um, our 29th consecutive swim. Together? Yeah. Do Do you wait for each other? 
No, well, it, well like, oh, you're in we're in waves? different waves because okay. like 5,000 people do it. Yes. So we're in different waves. So I always swim first, but um, embarrassing to say I've only beaten him three times. Okay. Yeah. Good on you, Dad. Yeah, good on you, Dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was there a year during your uh, health yeah. that you had to stop it? No. So wow. um, we did it four weeks before I had the did transplant. Did your own? You made your own? No, no. It was like- Oh, it was so still the, the right yeah, time. Yeah, the right time. Huh. And then so the transplant early Feb. Um, 2012. Wow. So, um, yeah, the, so we did it and um, I didn't actually realise how crook I was. <laughs> right. Um, the doctor said just don't go too hard, so I just didn't go too hard really. Yeah. yeah. But made it. Yeah, made it, yeah. And, and, and perhaps what I'm more interested in is mm. the following year yeah. you front up again. Yep. And were you able to go hard? Yeah. Yeah, so you're, yep. you're, you're good. It's all... Everything, yes. the transplant's great. Perfect, yep. Wow. I thought I would have had a chance. I had one of his organs, but he still beat yeah. me. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very good. I wonder, being being somebody from a creative kind of uh, bent, if mm. you like, is there a musical or a drama or a performance that you were either part of or you remember that was significant while you were here at Yarra? No, not really. I didn't – I wasn't into um, the acting or – the drama side of things, I um I remember I did um I did piano for like about a term, okay. or maybe a semester. So I was uh, in the percussion, um you know, part of the year eight orchestra. Um, I remember actually the end of the um year performance or no not the like like a speech night presentation yeah, speech, yeah, presentation night. Um, so. But I, I couldn't read music. So, and for some reason, they gave me the crash symbols. So, the. It's uh, a very important part. You know, and actually, I think it was a Star Wars theme that like had the crash symbols. So, every time I had to crash the symbols, the conductor had to point to me. Yeah. So, that stands out as a <laughs> creative music thing. After that, I think I gave it away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe the conductor was happy about that. I think he probably was. <laughs> and the rest of the orchestra. <laughs> uh, do you remember your first car? Yeah, it was a um, it was a Honda Civic. Mm. Any adventures? Um, yeah, a few. Yeah, it was like well, I was probably like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, and um, had it for a few years, and then um, wrote it off, unfortunately. But lived to tell the tale. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd actually sold the van that Ross and I travelled around Australia with. Okay, and was leaving that, selling that, and um, oh no. Yeah, got hit by another car. It was it was my fault, but right. like it wasn't um, it wasn't high speed or anything. But yeah, yeah, the panel beater is like, no, nah, it's not worth it. I'm no, like, oh. okay. So yeah, it, it's amazing a car like that, so much more valuable to you mm. than it is to anybody else. Yeah, you know because you, you get nothing for it. Panel beater nah. says it's not even worth fixing. Yeah, but once you're without it. Yeah, then it costs I was, you a heap to replace. Yes, yep. It's unfair that way. Mm. Is there a book or a documentary that you would recommend that you think is, uh, you know, must watch, much, must oh. see, must read? I was, like we were saying earlier, I wasn't a fan of English, mm. so I didn't read much um, probably until I got out of school and then found books that I was probably more interested in. Mm. But now um, – I don't read so much as just listen to audiobooks when I'm driving around in the car and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I occasionally go to the gym. Um, so, oh, 
it's kind of what you're reading at the moment, I think. Um, I'm trying to, um, I guess, learn a whole lot more about how our minds work mm. and how people interact and that type of thing. Um, so one really interesting book, I don't know if it's like everyone needs to read it, but was um, Malcolm Gladwell's latest book. Um, I've got to remember the name of it now. Um, he's, he's done a few, Outliers yeah. or David That's, and Goliath. Um, Talking to strangers or understanding oh, okay. strangers, yes, yeah, yes, it was there is. Um, really interesting. Okay, um, and it's one of the moment that I'm um, listening to about um, autonomous teams. I'm right. really interested in teams that sort of run by themselves, yes, and yeah. collapsing like the hierarchy of um, organisations and that type of thing. Yeah, so all that kind of stuff I'm interested in. It's great that you have created a a job, if you like, work mm. that you're interested in and you therefore yes. can read about it and you're fascinated mm. as, a, as a concept and you you get to help other people negotiate the path through. It's, yeah. it's really, really admirable. It's great. How did you used to travel to school? Um, I lived in Donvale. Mm-hmm. So if it was a, a fair bit of public transport, which was like a bus and a, a walk and then a bus and a train and a bus. And But I think uh, in year 12, I did get driven a fair bit. Mm-hmm. I had a big art folio and I think I maybe, you know. Work, worked with that. Yeah, worked with that definitely. <laughs> and uh, I've got an older sister so she'd finished high school so I think I pl- played on that a bit too. Like, Every now and, so, and then So, yeah, mum had, um, had dropped me off. Yeah. But before that it was um, public transport. Yeah, yeah, sure. So winter I'd leave in the dark and get home in the dark. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I want to offer a, a phrase that might be familiar, mm. Lavavi Oculus. Yeah. That was our school motto. Mm. It is our school motto. Do you remember what it means in English and then what does it mean mm. to you? Um, does it lift up your eyes? Yeah. Um, so I guess I haven't, really, I haven't probably thought about that since I left. Um, what does it mean to me? I guess it's like just keeping your eyes open and your mind open. Mm-hmm. And being um, open to new opportunities and having a, um, like lifting your eyes up is like being positive, being an optimist. Mm. I'm definitely a optimist. Sure. So sure. that sort of resonates. Yeah. yeah. Dwight Hodge from the class of 1994, thank you for your time. Thanks for the invite. It's uh, It's been fascinating. Mm. I... Uh, and we may very well continue this conversation after we switch off the recorder. But uh, I wonder if there is a a, a habit or a, a ritual or a motto that you live by or something that has, I, I guess, motivates you and helps you to get up every day. Mm. Oh, like I'm not a, sure are you an is. early riser? Do you? you it, doesn't strike me that you're at the gym at 5am every morning. <laughs> no, it's it's actually scheduled, but I never make it. Okay. Um, yeah. It I, might be, might even be, is it an, an app on your phone that helps you manage things? You know, I it? think um, this is an area that I'm, like there's definitely not something that's like been through my life that does that. Yeah. Um, I've realised in the last sort of three or four years that um, I'm a massive procrastinator. Okay. Or I was, <laughs> I was, um, but understanding what that's all about. So I think um, I'm not normally a morning person, but I definitely have become. Right. Um, for a couple of reasons, one out of necessity that I think if I didn't get up first before die my wife, then like 
the kids probably wouldn't get to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd probably be running late. So the fact that I get up first before she does then gets me going for the day. Yeah. But in um, understanding, um, I guess, um, productivity and using my time better, I've actually started getting up quite early, well, early for me, and really starting my day um, at about 6 a.m. Because mm-hmm. I realised I can get an hour's work done before the kids going to get up and yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. So um, last year I was getting up at about 5.30, quarter to 6 and um, writing, but um, that, that, that wasn't sustainable because I was going to bed at like 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but no, like 6 a.m., alarm goes off, so I need the alarm. That'll yeah. go off, get up, and um, I was, I'm still writing. So write a lot of posts and things on um, LinkedIn. But um, if I say this now, I've got to do it, but I'm going to write a book. <laughs> so I'm going to start using that time to, to write a book. Yeah. Um, so I think that and um, over the last few months, something that I would have never done, um, ending my showers cold is um, a real like um, – Motivator. I've heard, <laughs> I've have heard that. I, I, I mean, I had my own experience of of trying that for a little while, but and whatever. But so it, it's a motivator. What yeah. a motivator to get the sh- out of the shower? Or what do you mean? Funnily enough, no. Like, um, uh, I think it wakes me up. I think yeah. it wakes up my body. Um, I'm already waking in the shower, but I think I don't know. Just like there's something invigorating. Yeah, about yeah. Yes. I'm, I don't know what it is <laughs> about it, but it definitely works. And funnily enough, if I don't do it, then I kind of like that's that one thing now that it's like, oh. You feel that put, too. Yeah, you, it kind you of puts it. me off a bit. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. Whereas um, – and that came out of um, helping facilitate a leadership um, program and there was just this like little conversation happening on the, the lunch break and I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. Mm. And I've kind of been doing it ever since. Yeah. So that's definitely a habit. But any time I have a shower now, I finish it off cold. Yeah. But I've only been doing it in the warmer months, so it'd be interesting to see what happens <laughs> Whether you in can the middle of winter. Yeah. <laughs> but I always have a warm shower first and then finish yes. it off like that. So, yes. yeah, I think that's actually only very recent, but I can see that being a really good habit that's yeah, yeah absolutely going to hang around. If, if things go really well for you, let's mm-hmm. say in the next five years, let's yeah. say health is good and, and business is good I – mean, what are you doing? What what is your year? You, what does your life look like in five years or so? Oh, I'd say very much similar to what I'm doing now, but a lot more, um, probably a lot more coaching. Okay. I do a few like sort of day seminars and stuff, so I think that. But with um, probably bigger clients and more corporate clients um, than I'm working with now, mm. and um, yeah, just more of more of what I'm doing. But I think then there's there's um, there's a lot of freedom in that, mm. um, in that kind of work, mm. um, and well, for me, a lot more fulfilment as well in sitting down with people and not telling them what to do, but helping them discover what they want to do, and um, having a really good understanding that um, it's not about what I think they should do, because all I'm going to do then is like create the type of business that they run that I would want to run, mm. whereas helping them discover what they want. I think there's a big sort of um, challenge that a lot of people do or a lot of people have an idea of what success is, but it's not what their success is. It's what society or their family or someone else has told them it is. Mm. And um, then if they achieve that, they don't actually feel fulfilled because it's not really what they want. Mm. So um, I guess that fulfilment in seeing other people have that realisation of what that is for them and then helping them figure out how they're going to do it. 
Mm. So um, just doing more of that, but maybe on a bigger scale. I, I love the notion that if everything goes well, you're doing more of what you're already doing. Mm. I think that's a beautiful thing. So it's not necessarily drastic change. It's not significant amount of, you know, not certain challenges that you want to overcome, but you just keep, so you've already found it. There's a contentment mm. there and you're just going to keep growing it and, and doing a bit more of it. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, I, well, thanks for pointing that out. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. So yeah. yeah, it is, it is a good thing. Yeah. It's great. Um, the world of coaching is certainly growing. In terms oh, definitely. Of business yeah. coaching, life coaching, you can get performance coaching, yeah. speak speech coaching, you know, mm. just about anything yeah. nowadays. And and perhaps overseas even more so than here mm. in Australia. But I love the idea that you're a coach by the sounds of it, who a business coach who's not just going to bring a model and have your clients follow that model, but you're going to sit and listen and help them to discover. I think that's a yes. beautiful thing. Yep. And I think sometimes sitting down with people um, they expect that you have a model, mm. but they almost want that. Don't they, they do they want, want the recipe. Yes, they, they want what's the the five step strategy. Yeah, but it's not quite as easy as that. Well, I think there's lots of coaches that do it, but there then um, then it doesn't fit the individual. Mm. I, I don't think mm. so. Um, being able to express that and explain it to a potential client mm. um, and explain why I think then um, is has been a challenge like to be able to, I guess, um, explain that. But um, in doing so now, then there's the ones that they get it and there's ones that don't. Mm. But that's cool because yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't I don't want to run through a cookie cutter approach yeah. for someone yeah. and everyone just come out the end. The Dwight, same. you've been really generous with your time. I've got maybe two or three questions mm-hmm. but to wrap it up. But I wonder, and, and I, this is not your purpose and this is not what you came for, but if people did want to get in touch with you, mm. um, can you give us a couple of ways to find you? Yeah, they can um, check me out on LinkedIn. Just search Dwight Hodges. Not, there's not too many Dwight Hodges around. Okay. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, that's probably the easiest. Yep. I've got a website and stuff, but yeah, just look me up on LinkedIn. Okay, that's yeah. a good start. Um, what's something that is important to you now mm. that was not important to you while you're at school? Something that is important to you now, but wasn't important to you when you were at school. Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Do you know what? I'm not sure that there's there's something that completely wasn't and now is, but I'd say that there's things at school that probably um, now I kind of. Sometimes, maybe sometimes to my detriment, but I, I'll say something, like I'll, I won't just go along with the crowd. Okay. If I feel like, so I think now I'm, which I think that comes with confidence, yes, and um, maturity, maturity, and mm. understanding, understanding yourself more. That then it's like, well, no, you know. Whereas I think definitely at school, I probably just run with the pack. Yeah, definitely, mm. and wouldn't want to ruffle feathers and. Yeah, it ran with the pack and really probably didn't say a lot. Like with my mates and that I would, but I think, oh, yeah, mm. I wasn't like a standout member of the <laughs> of the school or anything like that. You weren't on the ethics committee or trying no. to, you know, make I'm things not, right. Do you know what? I might have thought about it, but I wouldn't have done anything about it. Okay. Whereas I think now I, I would like to think that I would do something about it. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to your procrastination too. 
Yeah, actually, I think the procrastination is born out of – I'd never – there's no way I would have ever said this, but in learning more about it, about um, perfection and not – like I think at school, a lot of like the academic side of school, um, I left things to the last minute, but then I think it was like a – it was a uh, – oh, what's the sort of term? Like a – it was a bit of an escape that, well, if I didn't do that well, oh, I didn't give it 100%. Mm. What, like what if I gave it 100% and I still failed? Mm then that yeah. what's my excuse yeah mm. so i think a lot of it was an excuse but also i wouldn't start because i didn't want to stuff it up yeah 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 and nowadays you would coach i dare say and and in your own journey it's about progress not perfection oh definitely yeah uh, just trying things on yes and that meaning around failure then makes that a whole lot easier too that's right if that's it's right. all just if, if failure is good and all you're doing is learning because failure well you'd hope isn't fatal. <laughs> yes, yes. And really it, it's not. No. So, um, you know, well, it can be, but it never has been for me luckily. So I think um, just the meanings we make around things and then just giving it a crack and giving it a go yeah. and seeing what happens yeah. um, is something that's definitely helped me. Mm. Yeah. It's great. Last question. Mm. What's the one question that I haven't asked you that you really wish I'd asked you? Oh, I don't. I don't think there is. Um, and the reason why I say that is um, I go into a lot of things like this, like sitting down and having a chat with you or um, going into, um, say, sitting down with a client in a coaching environment and I have no um, intention of like where that's going to go, not in, a, not in a negative way but in a way that um, just go with the flow. So I think coming in, I'd, I had listened to a few like of the – podcast to kind of get a feel for what today was going to be about mm. but then um yeah with no intention then um i think i'm a lot more open to just following like what's happening and don't have an end goal of what i think should happen mm. in this podcast sitting down and recording it or in um a whole lot of situations in life so in saying that i don't think there's anything that i thought oh you should have asked me or i wish you had have asked me Understand that, and that's a really good answer. Mm. Um, you certainly have been present, and I've enjoyed our conversation. And I'm sure people at home, as they're listening, whether they're out on the on on the treadmill, whether they're walking the dog, whether they're on the back of the bus, um, heading to school, perhaps mm. as they listen to this, um, it's been a privilege to sit down with you. Thank you for, uh, dare I say, being inspired by Yarra, but mm. continuing to be an inspiration to Yarra because you're still involved and you're still connected and you come from time to time and you help young people as they mm. are seeking to work out, you know, what career or what what aspect of life they might explore. So thank you. Thank you for continuing to give back to Yarra. Well, thank you. And thanks for the invite. It's been, uh, it's been fun. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope you found this conversation with Dwight really interesting, as I did in the moment. What a good guy. I loved his empathy, his ability to listen and to be present. He's so tuned in. Like his entrepreneurial approach and his willingness to explore opportunities and possibilities. And also really take on board his approach to failure. That in fact, it's not the end of but in fact it's feedback an opportunity to grow and then an encouragement to explore new possibilities 
If you also found this a helpful and a useful conversation, I encourage you to share it. Share it with others within the YOG community. Share it with people who might also know of Dwight and his whereabouts and what he's up to, or be interested to learn a little more. Encourage you to keep on sharing and to stay connected with the Yarra Valley Grammar community. This is Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there with intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you.